Welcome to the Retzel Health Law Hotspot. Health Law Hotspot is a podcast for physicians and health professionals that covers the legal issues and trends that affect the healthcare industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Health Law Hotspot. I'm Erica Adler, shareholder and leader of the healthcare practice group at Retzel and Andrus. Today, I'm joined by Dennis Thornton, who's a broker for Car Healthcare Realty in Illinois. He has over 20 years of healthcare industry experience, providing great insight into the medical and dental professions. Um, he works with many clients that I also work with and brings a lot of expertise, particularly when it comes to handling their real estate leases, whether it has to do with a transaction, a renewal, uh, a new practice setup, et cetera. So the reason we have him here today is to really give some insight to our clients who face these type of real estate issues all the time and may not realize that there's an expert out there who can bring great value. And the role uh, that Dennis plays is very different than a lawyer. And I, I know we're going to kind of get into that as well. So welcome and thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, we thank you for the uh, the introduction there. Um, we 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 perform a role, like you said, that a lot of people don't realize that that's even available in the marketplace. Right. Uh, certainly, when it comes to leases specifically, um, it's it's um, it's an unknown fact that that uh, leases can be renegotiated, and and um, you know, going through that process is, is sort of a foreign concept to to most healthcare practices. Right, and I know a lot of times when we're doing, you know, for example, a practice transaction, there's always gonna be a lease assignment or uh, maybe trying to get a new lease. And I always like to kind of direct my clients to say, hey, we can definitely help you with that, but there's, you know, there's people out there who really, this is what they do. Um, and so really kind of want to talk to you about the type of situations uh, in which you get involved, that people should be thinking about coming to someone like you, right? And you then we can kind of dive into particular scenarios. So tell us a little bit about the times when you work with clients, the type of lease issues uh, in particular, so they can kind of think about whether they are currently or will soon be going through any of those types of situations. You bet. You bet. So some of the most common things that we do, and, and really any qualified commercial real estate broker can help a, a practice with these sorts of things. You know, for example, startups, uh, when a doctor wants to start a practice or practice creation in, in, in the beginning, um, uh, lease renewals, we touched base on that. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, lease renewals is actually renegotiating the leases that are in place now. Um, expansions, if a practice wants to expand, there might be an addition to the lease or there might be changes to the lease then. Um, relocations, if you're going to relocate the practice, obviously there's going to be site selection and a variety of things that are going to get involved in that. Additional offices, uh, a classic example of that is an orthodontist. A lot of times they have multiple offices in their career in addition to the first office that they had. And, and so there's real estate uh, transactions that are involved with that. Uh, of course, purchasing real estate for a practice and practice acquisitions, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of times with a practice acquisition, there might be the purchase of the property that comes with it, the building itself or the condo itself. In addition to that, there might be uh, a, a lease involved, which needs to be reworked to accommodate the new buyer. 
makes sense. And and do you find that, I guess, and this might be a very general question, um, do people tend to do these themselves and then get frustrated and come to you? Uh, and is it sometimes like too late? Or um, do you find like whenever you step into the process, there's something that you can add to that experience? Well, uh, there's certainly the right time, you know, and there's and there's too early and too late, you know, especially when it comes to lease renegotiations. Um, so timing is pretty critical. Uh, we do find that a lot of practices in most practices don't try to renegotiate their leases at all. And, and they don't realize that they can. So every single lease, lease, first of all, commercial lease renewals or lease renegotiation opportunities are the most common commercial real estate transaction in the world. If you think about it, every lease has a termination date. And once you get close to that termination date, there's an opportunity to make changes in the lease, which could benefit the practice economically and or other ways. Um, so I, I think that what most people do, what most practices do is they, they just sign the renewal. You know, the landlord dictates, hey, towards the end of your lease, it's coming up. We've got this option for you to renew the lease. It's built in. It's already burned into, baked into the lease. Let's, uh, let's have you sign that and move along and maybe we'll go out and have a nice dinner to celebrate, that kind of thing. When overall, what's happening there is that the lease is, is sort of climbing, the lease rate climbs over years and over time it outpaces market. And so the, the, the doctor or the practice manager has no idea that, that uh, you know, market has, has lagged behind the lease rate and then that's what you have is, a, is an escalated lease rate. And this can happen every five years, if there's a renewal every five years, and you can see how over time, 10, 15, 20, sometimes even 25 years down the line, if this hasn't been renegotiated, then the lease rate that's being paid by the practice is generally much, much more than, than what market is. So there's an opportunity there to make things right. Do you find the landlords are generally receptive or are they uh, upset when they get contacted by you know, a, a representative? Well, yeah, that, that's a great that's a great question because you know most of the time they they don't want a real estate broker on the other side of the transaction, and and they they you know I'm going to use the word take advantage because that's essentially what they do, you know if if they can take advantage of the the tenant who doesn't understand the market they're going to do it, and and it's it's not that they're evil necessarily you know it's just that they're in business to make money. And, um, you know, you could equate this to if you had a, a home in a neighborhood where all the houses are $400,000 and someone came to you and said, hey, I want to offer you $500,000 for your house, you're probably going to say yes and, and not educate them that really only the house is only worth $400,000. It's not that you're evil. It's that you're taking an opportunity to, to make money, which is what you should do, right? So the landlord's going to try to take advantage where they can to make money because it's what they do for a living. And they do it every day. And most practices will get involved in a, a real estate transaction, whether it's a purchase or a lease renewal or a new lease, maybe two, three, four times in their career. So you're up against someone who is really negotiating every day these types of transactions. So you're at a disadvantage as a practice owner. Having the right representation is, is critical. Now, landlords, they would rather that we weren't involved. But most of them realize also that 
when there's a broker on the other side, after the shock of finding out that we're involved, you know, they, they usually back up and are, are pretty accommodating um, because they realize that if there's a broker on the other side of the transaction, that normally the transactions move a lot smoother and they're much more likely to get to the finish line. So we've had many landlords after tough negotiations, which aren't generally contentious, they're just tough and fair. Many landlords have, have reached back out and, and asked me what other tenants I might have for their building and thanked me for helping with the, with the existing tenant that they, that they had. So it's, it's a little bit of both. They're surprised. They don't want, they don't want involvement from a professional because it, makes the, it give, takes away some of their advantage. But they also realize that it's likely to get finished properly if they do have a broker on the other side. So now some some landlords are professional management type companies and some are just individuals, you know, right. people, guy who owns the building. Uh, do you recommend a different approach depending on the type of landlord? Is is that, you know, that Joe Smith who owns the building more likely to be, um, you know, uncooperative? Then well, uh, sometimes, yeah, and we call them a mom and pop landlord, you know, uh, mom and pop landlord, someone who owns maybe one building, maybe they even occupy space in the building, and they're your neighbor, in essence, as a, as a healthcare tenant. Um, you know, the approach is, is slightly different. Every approach is different. Every scenario is different. But the key here is creating the right, the, the right posture for the negotiation. And one of the things that you have to have is you have to have options. Options are critical. So if you have options for your practice, in, in essence, it could be as simple as, hey, we, we're thinking about maybe buying a building and there's a couple of buildings in the market that are, that are within striking distance geographically and within striking distance economically, then those are true options for the owner to consider or the practice owner to consider uh, rather than staying in their location that they're in now. You know, So having the ability for to express that and create that posture, which has to be real posture. You can't just blow smoke or the landlords, uh, they'll see right through it. You know, I mean, they've been, they, like I said, they do it every day, you know, so they're gonna see through it. You really have to create the right posture, which is real, find options for the practice owner, and then they can make a choice as to what they wanna do moving forward. Well, what are some of the things that you can negotiate then when you're looking to buy a new space or you're looking to, you know, maybe renew a lease and if you can't get the terms you want, maybe you consider leaving. What are some of those things? I mean, other than rent? Well, yeah, uh, everything's negotiable, right? You know, that's that's typically the, the answer that I give to that question. Um, there's there's a whole variety of things. For example, if you're if you're leasing in a building that has multiple tenants in it, you could potentially you could negotiate. And some of this falls into your lap, right, as an attorney and, and negotiating work, looking over leases for, for your clients. Um, negotiating lease rates, a big one, right? You know, moving the economics into a market economics rather than an over-market economics is critical. And it, and it's, it's really the, the basis for which everyone should look at lease renegotiations. I mean, really that's the, that's the crux of it, but you have, uh, you can potentially get free rent, you know, which is very common. If you're going to, if you're going to sign for a, a new extension on your lease, getting a few months of free rent is very common getting money from the landlord to help you improve the space. So if you're going to sign for another five years, you know, you might need some new paint and carpeting, things like that. Um, uh, and, and there might be a little bit of work inside the space that you want to, you want to perform 
just to make your practice more efficient or something like that. So getting money from the landlord is another one. It's called tenant improvement allowance. Uh, you can get a right of first refusal for adjacent spaces in case you need to, to expand. You have the ability to, to grab a space next door if it becomes available during, your, during the lease term. And you have the right to it before anyone else can lease it. That's another thing that you could potentially negotiate. Exclusivity in the property if you don't have it already. Say you're a dentist in a property and you and you're in a, a strip mall type property and, and you don't want another dental group coming in, you can negotiate to have exclusivity for all dental practices, all dental procedures in, in, your, in your property. Um, death and disability clauses, if they're not already in the lease, you can add something like that at this time. And, and you know sometimes these types of things, let's say that the lease has, the, the current lease is a good lease for economically. And, and there's, there's really um, uh, not a lot of economic benefit that you can, you can generate by actually renegotiating. But there's one particular, like it doesn't have a death and disability clause in it. It's something that the, the practice owner is very interested in getting and it's very important to them. Then, you know, we can negotiate and have, you know, little changes like that that might seem little and maybe little to the landlord, but they're very important to the practice. So the economics is very important, right? And it's generally the impetus behind any kind of lease renegotiation. But all these other things can be very important as well. And there's an opportunity when renegotiating to change some of these things. Right. So I guess the biggest mistake is doing things on your own and not knowing what you don't know, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, a lot of people, just they're the doctor, the practice manager, they stay in the building year after year. They don't even realize that they can ask for some of these things. Have, you know, other than that, have you seen people make strategic errors? Um, does anything come to mind? Uh, I oh. assume, it, you know, continuing to pay too much, not doing their homework, things like that, I guess, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I'm, I mean, I always, I always tell my clients, you know, like, for example, if it's a, if it's a, an ophthalmologist, I, I promise I'm not ever going to work on someone's eyes. If you promise that you won't ever try to renegotiate your lease, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it takes a specialist, right? And, and we all are specialized in certain things. And, um, you know, that works in the, in the, in the, uh, the attorney world as well, you know, in the legal world where, you know, I've had so many of my clients say, hey, do I really need an attorney for this for this negotiation? And the answer is always yes. It'll be the best money you ever spent. You know, you're about to sign a lease that basically lays out all the rules you're going to be living by for the next 10, 15, 20 years. You want to make sure those rules are acceptable, you know, so make sure you get someone who understands it, not necessarily the uncle or the cousin who's an attorney, right? So having right. that special knowledge is very, very important. Very important. So. Yeah, I, I of course, make those same comments when it comes to reviewing any contract. Yeah, you know, right. like the, the family member is great, but yeah. the advice may not be, right? So, right, um, right, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Um, all right. So, what else do we need to know when it comes to negotiating uh, with the landlord? You know, what, what other advice do you want to share? Well, I, I think, you know, number one is get good representation. Um, one of the beauties of the representation in, in real estate as a tenant and as a buyer is that the landlord or the seller pays all the fees. So you don't have, uh, you don't have to pay your real estate broker. It, most, if the real estate broker is doing it the way they should do it, you really shouldn't have to pay them anything. You know, every landlord has a budget for real estate transaction fees, 
right? And, and they generally pay a commission to someone for a renewal or for a new lease. And generally what a, a, a commercial real estate broker in my position would do is go to the landlord's broker and or management company and split the fee that they're receiving. So the landlord doesn't pay any more money whether we're involved or not, and you don't have to pay, pay us either. So having good representation, not only is it, is it paramount to get the right, the right uh, uh, structure in place, the right posture in place and the right negotiation in place, but it doesn't cost you anything, you know? So it's important that you go ahead and, and find, seek out the right real estate broker, that's the commercial real estate broker that, that doesn't have a conflict of interest, that understands the market, that understands your business and, and, and trust that broker, work side by side with that broker to get, get through to the finish line with whatever the transaction is that you're working on. That's number one. Um, and then, you know, trust is a big deal. You know, it's really difficult uh, to to find someone that you can you can trust, and then following through with that trust is 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 important too. You know, it's not always easy for everyone, um, but allowing the real estate broker to do what they do and and um, uh, following their lead is is very important. You know, there's when we're having these types of negotiations with landlords, for example, you know, it's very important that the landlord. Um, communicates directly with the with the real estate broker and not with the practice and you can imagine you you brought up a, a scenario where there's a there's a practice that transition and there might be a lease that needs to be renegotiated or, or reworked in essence and you can imagine what could happen if the landlord went and actually talked to the front desk per, went, went into the office and started talking to the front desk person about about the fact that there's a transition coming and maybe the staff members don't know. In many cases, they don't know. And, mm -hmm. and so they can get panicked and, you know, they may even leave the practice or create disruption in the practice that would devalue it. You know, so there's all kinds of little thing, nuances that, that make it, make that, that, that uh, communication and that posture very delicate and, and has to be very precise in how it's, how it's performed. Uh, so letting your real estate broker lead lead you through that process is is critical and trusting them along the way is, is is a big part of that you know so i think number one finding good representation number two trusting that representation and and following through with with their plan sounds perfect and so yeah. i guess the idea is you know what no matter what type of transaction you're doing if there's real estate involved uh, there's a possibility of uh, improving the financial situation that you're in, uh, getting some upgrades, um, and basically at least, you know, maybe you do have the best deal out there. And I right. guess sometimes you find that out for them as well. So it can just be confirmation that it's a good deal. Right, right. We do, uh, I know I do personally, I, I do free lease evaluations for clients, right? Where, you know, they can send the lease to me and I'll just look it over for them and, and, give them their, my two cents on where they are and, and provide a, a roadmap for the path forward, you know? And for example, let's say it, it is a, it is a great deal and, and they, they're in the middle of a 10 year lease and they've got a great deal. And usually my advice to them is, listen, you know, I'm going to give you the peace of mind, let you know, you, you've got a great deal. And if you negotiated it yourself, congratulations, you know, and, and uh, you know, what I'd like to talk with you again in, in year eight and a half or year nine, to uh, help you with the next step, which might be finding another location for you, whether it's to purchase or 
maybe even just renegotiating this lease and staying where you're at. Um, you know, those are, those are things that, that, uh, that are very important. That's really helpful. I guess one final question I have is what has been the impact of COVID, I guess, on either uh, rents uh, increasing, decreasing, more space being available, landlords being more eager to negotiate? I, I just am wondering, you know, if people have been under the same lease since before COVID, are they missing out on any kind of opportunity now? Well, um, COVID was pretty disruptive to all of us for a variety of reasons, right? Everyone, everyone is affected. And in the real estate market is, is no exception. Um, people work from home and, and much, much, much more than they used to. So what's happening is most of the long-term leases that are in place and, and, you know, I'm in the Chicago area um, and, you know, Chicago is a big city and there's a lot of office space downtown Chicago. Um, that office space is emptying out and it empties out typically towards the, at the end of a lease. So for example, let's say that, you know, you've got, uh, uh, a law firm that has 60,000 square feet in the John Hancock building downtown. Uh, you know, they're, they're finding that they only really need 7,000 feet, but they really can't do anything about it because they've got a lease in place through 2025, let's say, you know? So what happens is typically they don't do anything with it until 2025. And then they go to their landlord and they say, Hey, I, I know, uh, you know, things have changed and, you know, the 60,000 foot, 60,000 square foot, footprint that we have we really only need seven thousand feet so the landlord you know that that makes them choke right that's a big big problem you know right and and this is sort of thing has been happening since covid right so as these leases come up most of these practices no matter what their tenants have been shrinking their footprint and so the result is there's a lot of available office space and generally really nice office space you know in a lot of these places so Every market's a little bit different. Chicago, downtown Chicago, there's a tremendous amount of office space available and it's a big problem. It's great for tenant negotiators, right? Because the, those landlords are willing to make deals now that they weren't willing to make four years ago. Um, and then you have the same thing happen in, in suburban market and even in some, some cases, the rural market in Illinois. Um, what we also see is then in retail, which is a different market, so you have office market, which is office buildings. And then you have retail, which is generally visible shop type properties, right? Where you can, you can see it from the road, so to speak, the signage from the road. Most of, most of the properties that we see in the, in the Chicago metro area that are retail, if they're grade A properties, there's really not a ton of availability. You know, those properties that, you know, you might have a Starbucks or a Chipotle or, you know, some of these really grade A national tenants in them, those properties are pretty full. And if they're not full, the vacancies aren't cheap, right? Um, but then there's a lot of properties that are subpar, right? And you think, okay, um, you know, I see a ton of availability out there in the marketplace. Why don't we look at those properties for our practice? And the thought process there is, okay, I see that there's a lot of availability, but if you're a healthcare professional, Generally, those 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 build outs you go into a property like that are going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and for a practice to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into a subpar property really isn't a great plan, you know. So 
there is a lot of availability in retail, but generally it's not great quality, right? So it just depends on the market. I'm sure Nashville and Tampa and Denver are very different from Chicago in the way that, that the availability that is. But here in this market, we have a lot of availability and, and not all of it's good. And, and uh, people are working from home, so there's not a huge demand for tenant, tenant space right now. All right. Well, thanks for that uh, answer. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, I, I think once again, I'll, I'll pound, pound on this, you know, find good representation, find someone you can trust and, and follow their lead. Uh, certainly if you're, if you're in a lease and, and, and you, you're interested in having someone evaluate it, reach out to that real estate broker, uh, and, and have them look at your lease to, to, to identify whether it is that you have something that can be negotiated or should be negotiated. And then if so, put together a very strategic plan, a very linear plan that, that'll walk you through the process. And uh, you'll find that the results are, are gonna be probably beyond your wildest dreams. All right, that's a great way to end. Well, thanks to Dennis Thornton from Car Healthcare Realty in Illinois. I appreciate all your advice and hopefully everyone out there finds this helpful. Um, this has been the Retzel Health Law Hotspot. And you can catch some of our other podcasts at ralaw.com. If you have any questions, you can reach out to Dennis directly or myself. And we'll see you here next time. Thanks for joining us. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Retzel Health Law Hotspot does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have.